welcome to the first episode of Health Points podcast with me, Pete Jenkins, and my co-presenter, Ben Wilkins. So Health Points was set up as a podcast because of our shared interest between gamification and health, and essentially the lack of learnings that have been shared around how to adopt gamification in health to tackle some of the biggest health challenges. And health is the state of being free from illness or injury, which includes all aspects of health, from physical, emotional, psychological, social. Health is something that's intrinsic to everyone. And when we have poor health, it had a huge impact on ourselves, our families, and our friends. And the reason why it's so important is the scale of the health challenge and how fast it's growing. Long-term conditions such as diabetes, heart disease, mental health, low back pain, dementia, they're all growing in size and their prevalence is becoming ever more increasing. It's essential that we look at better ways to tackle the $8 trillion spend on health, which is around 10% of the global economic output measure of the GDP. And the spending on health is growing even faster than the economic output. There are real challenges we need to overcome. Uh, and there are limitations within the current health systems from uh, a shortage globally of healthcare professionals, uh, systems that were designed in the 20th century not to deal with so many long-term health conditions. On top of that, we've got huge global health inequality. Uh, the biggest predictor of our health and life expectancy is the postcode or zip code that we live in. Um, on average, low-income countries are around $41 a year per person compared to $3,000 per person for high-income countries. There are real health inequalities that aren't going to be solved by health systems alone. And yet, there's been a huge move to digital health. There are around 300,000 on the app stores, but they haven't been the silver bullet. They haven't been the panacea because a lot of them are completely dependent on people wanting to use those apps and repeatedly using those apps. What we know from the most regular used apps, they're usually social apps or game apps that result in repeat use from, our, from users. And so there are many things to learn around gamification to create that behavior change for repeated activity. And that's why we came together, both myself and Pete, to go and speak to some of the people who are leading great gamification in health and activity, to share those learnings, distill them for you, the listener, so hopefully we can get more gamification into health and well-being. That's super, Ben. And you're right. It is um, an area ripe for lots of uh, investigation and seeing what we can do better. Why don't we tell people a bit about you and I, so why, why we're the right people to uh, be doing this and uh, speaking to people. So, Ben, what are you working on? What do you do? So, yeah, my, um, my background is focused on an area called musculoskeletal, essentially all things to do with the body, joints, pain, uh, conditions like back pain, arthritis, uh, inflammatory joint conditions. So I originally trained as an osteopath, and I'm a registered osteopath. Um, I then went into research uh, and then published, published a couple of papers on uh, exercise, rehabilitation, peer-led musculoskeletal services. I'm also an MSK clinical champion for Versa Arthritis, which is the leading uh, um, arthritis and MSK charity in the UK. Um, I have a fellowship with the Winston Churchill uh, Memorial Trust, and my fellowship is to research uh, gamification for MSK exercise, particularly for older adults. Uh, and I'm also the founder and CEO of Good Boost, which is a social enterprise using technology to create AI uh, exercise rehabilitation programs, uh, both on land and in water. So I've had a real interest 
in both digital health, uh, community health, and musculoskeletal health, but broadly about uh, population health. So how long have you been interested in and using the gamification side of things? So gamification has been the last 18 months um, of what I've been looking into. Uh, I've done other gamification projects. Uh, a previous project was involving how do you create pub quiz walking groups um, for people over the age of 50, uh, trying to adopt ways and looking at other apps that have been successful, such as Pokemon Go, and how do you take that learning to apply it to um, a proactive self-management tool. That's fantastic. Whereas I come to this with uh, a purely gamification hat, really, or gamification and business. And uh, so, Ben, I'm going to leave the health aspects to you generally. But I've been working completely in the game eight years, 100% of my time. That's partly teaching the subject at uh, the University of Brighton and also guest lecturing on gamification and human resources and gamification and creativity and marketing at uh, the University ESCP Europe and also King's College London. And when I'm not doing that, and not consulting with clients in my day job as CEO of Gamification Plus. I also run the main industry conference, Gamification Europe, and uh, the Gamification Awards. And in both of those, I'm always looking for the best examples of gamification that we can learn from and, and share. So I, I feel like this podcast is going to be a really good fit for everything else I do. And the main reason I wanted to do this with Ben is because I think uh, there's a tremendous power between combining health and gamification to get people to in essence, to adopt new habits, new behaviors that are going to be healthier. And I think that'll be the core of most of what we look at, but we'll see. And as mentioned, every time we put a new podcast, we will invite a new person to interview, someone who is leading and pioneering in gamification and gamification of health to bring you those learnings, to bring you those insights uh, for you, the audience, to take them away and look at how you can apply gamification and the long-term game of this is, as Pete rightly says, is about how can we in support an entire global population to adopt healthier behaviours? Because we know for long-term health conditions, it's people are changing their behaviours, everyday habits that can make a real difference in these huge costs of the healthcare system. Um, and what can we learn from all those apps that have been so effective at creating repeated behaviours, but focusing again on healthy behaviours instead? Now, I've got a quick question for you, just to put this in perspective. Do you use any gamified health apps yourself? Uh, no, I do not use any gamified health but I do use gamification and how I keep myself active and doing healthier things. Okay, tell me a little bit about that. Uh, so one is uh, I use my fridge, but I cover it in post-it notes. So the aim is to get the most colorful fridge possible every time I go for a cycle or a jog. I get to put one post-it note, and the aim is how colourful can I make my fridge every month? So a really simple way, completely non-digital, and between myself and my girlfriend, two different colours, it's who can fill the fridge up in their colour. Well, so you've got a bit of competition in it as well. And do you Slight competition, slightly gamified it, all analogue, but um, that's how we've been. And do you start from scratch every month, so you take them all off? And... Yeah, yeah. every month restarts, so you get the chance again to win each month, but... Um, it just makes it a bit more interesting than just going out for a run on the whim because you know you've got to, you've got to, you've got to, every month you've got to win that thing. I like that. That's nice. Uh, it's nice when we look at some analog examples as well. Whereas the main one I use is a digital one. I use the Strava app for tracking my cycling, tracking tracking running since I started that at the beginning of uh, lockdown. And uh, well, to be honest, I don't really compete against anyone else in it. Except for the fact that obviously it does compare you on certain stretches that you run or cycle on. Uh, but I'm more about going for the personal bests 
or the improvements. So today, for instance, there were 40 mile an hour winds and I live by the sea. So I ran the right direction around my normal route and I got a wind assisted boost. Yes. Uh, I think that segues really well into our first guest for Health Points. Um, still focusing on exercise and gamification. Uh, and we are having Adrian Hon in this episode. And Adrian um, was the creator of Zombies Run. Uh, and we're very excited to bring him in to understand his inspiration for bringing it, what he's learned on his gamification journey. So without further ado, we'll start Adrian's interview. Brilliant. So brilliant. Uh, great to have you here, Adrian. Um, how have you been today? Uh, not bad. Not bad. Out running. Yeah. <laughs> so appropriately. Brilliant. So um, the reason you're here is because of your work with Zombies Run. Um, so it would be great to know where did the idea for Zombie Run start from? Yeah, so it came from really two places. I, you know, Zombies Run was co-created by myself and our lead writer, Naomi Alderman, who's a novelist. And for a long time, I'd wanted to, I, I'd been really kind of surprised there weren't any really good games that made running more exciting. I, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I found running really just boring and, and kind of painful, I think, as a lot of beginner runners do. And I only really got into it by doing things like using GPS Garmin for runners and stuff like that. And, you know, I found that there were some running games on the iPhone um, back in the early days of the iPhone, like, you know, 2010, 2011. But they really required you to look at your phone when you're running. So they might sort of show a map of your local area and put little bits of treasure, you know, and jet map. They sort of the idea was that you would run over those games and get more points or money or whatever. And that that sounds like it's fun. And I think a lot of people when they heard about it, you know, they tried it out and they did it and they thought, you know what, I don't actually really want to just run into some back alley, you know, I've never been before. I kind of like running along my normal route, you know, along the river or, you know, through the park or whatever. And so I really wanted to make a running game that was just audio only um, because I thought that that would be way more accessible and it made much more sense in terms of how people actually ran, you know, um, rather than just kind of sounding like a cool game. So I was talking about this idea to Naomi um, once and I said, you know, I think, I think there's something in like an audio only running game that needs some kind of story. And she had just joined an online running group and they had asked why people had joined and some people wanted to lose weight and other people wanted to, you know, get fit. And one person said they wanted to survive the zombie apocalypse. And so, you know, we all laughed. And the funny thing is, is that like at the time in 2011, I think when we came up with the idea, um, you know, zombies were really, you know, I was kind of sick of zombies already, actually, by that point, because The Walking Dead was already pretty popular, and there are so many zombie games out there, like Left 4 Dead. But in this case, uh, we thought that zombies as a story kind of made sense on a lot of different levels. Firstly, I mean, they were popular. Secondly, people, you, you don't really need to know anything about zombies other than the fact that they can't really be reasoned with, you know, and... Um, and you've got to run away from them. Like everyone sort of gets that, but they kind of cross-cultural. So, so you have that to go from. And from a storytelling perspective, though, it was really good because in you know a post-apocalyptic setting, there's actually a lot of reasons why you might run, even regardless of zombies. I mean, you have to run to go and get supplies. There's no more you know, transport. You know, you need to go and find survivors. It actually provided a lot of um, ground for for missions and for storytelling. 
So, you know, the more we talked about it, the more we realized, actually, you know, this would work really well. And, you know, we think we could make something that would be really fun. Oh, brilliant. Um, thank you very much for that. And like, do you want to give like a 30 second overview of kind of what it's like to play Zombies Run for, from a user's point of view? So you put your headphones uh, on and you start your running app, just like you might with Nike or Strava. Um, and we put you into this audio adventure where you are a runner in a post-apocalyptic landscape and you need to go and run to escape zombies, to collect supplies, to uh, find survivors and find a cure. And so we kind of turn you, your, it, it's, it's a cross between a podcast, a running app, and, you know, uh, augmented reality game. So back in 2011, kind of when the idea started to kind of evolve, I mean, gamification as a term has become a lot more ubiquitous now. So were you aware that you were gamifying running or has the game element more evolved over that time, over the past few years? Um, you know, I, I so... We've tried lots of different things uh, with Zombies Run. And I think that, you know, there's lots of different modes in Zombies Run that you can do. And there's also different gameplay elements. It's not just what I've talked about. So, for example, when you run, you automatically collect supplies and there's a base like SimCity, you know, whatever, that you can build up as you run more. And some people are motivated by that. And some people are, are not interested in that at all. And they're motivated by the story. And I think that's what's been interesting to us is that there, there are different motivations for different people. And what we found is that people who tend to be more motivated by the story, uh, for our game at least. And so we've kind of focused on that. And I think, you know, that's, and that may simply be something that is appropriate for audio. I mean, you know, at, in the last eight years, it's not just games that are becoming incredibly popular or gamification, it's also been podcasts, you know, and audiobooks. And so we are in that realm as well as gamification. I remember seeing you speak quite a few years ago and you distinctly said in your talk my zombies run is a game it is not gamification and then <laughs> i thought uh, you said that yeah <laughs> but then over the last couple of years i've heard you refer to it more as actually a bit broader saying yeah, there does seem to be gamification elements to it as well how has your view of it changed over the years it's been running well, yeah, I mean, you know, when it started, we thought it was a game and we marketed it as a game or at least a game. And then we sort of started talking about it as kind of an audio adventure and running game. And now I think that, that we, you know, internally, we kind of think of it as a sort of audio adventure because that's where we're putting a lot of the effort, right? Uh, and that's in the sense that the mechanics of the game are pretty well set, right? And uh, that the people really like how the game actually works right now, which is that you run and you collect supplies and you get chased by zombies. And and uh, they like that the first time they play and they like that the hundredth time they play. But if it was just that, it would get really boring, right? And so what we need to do is we need to provide, you know, storytelling to make that fresh and interesting every time you run. And so that's kind of why we're thinking about that. That said, you know, um, there's more to life than zombies. And there are a lot of people who are not, who just don't like zombies. I mean, they just not, I mean, they, you know, maybe they would like them, you know, if, if they tried, but, but they see the word and they think it's going to be silly or whatever. And I understand that. And so we are looking at telling different kinds of stories and that might support different kinds of gameplay, but still sort of similar to the winning formula. I think we found with zombies run. So, I mean, we've done things like, dinosaurs right uh you know we're, we're doing things with fantasy and science fiction 
which have been really fun. We've done some historical fiction. We've even done some romantic comedies now where you're running around. And we're trying, we're experimenting with lots of different things within the same engine. Are you experimenting with those to the same group of customers? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is the same group of customers. Um, And, you know, that's one of the things that's been uh, interesting, especially in the last couple of years, where, I mean, the... You know, there's about half a million people who play zombies run. You know, that's a lot of people who are into zombies, but they also like other things. You know, uh, they like, well, you know, they like sci-fi, they like fantasy, they like genre fiction, horror, you know, all sorts of things. And so for us, it's really fun to experiment. And, you know, it, it's a challenge, obviously, you know, from a product point of view, because uh, it is still called Zombies Run, <laughs> you know, and that's why people come. And so we are trying to figure out ways of, you know, we're never not going to have great new zombie stories you know every every month but uh we want to see what we can do outside of that as well oh brilliant Ooh, if you could distill for your average user why it works for them like what is that magic in what you've created that means that you've got half a million people running and you keep them running i think that's what it's the evolving story it's the new gameplay elements that kind of keep them what are, what's the real magic that you've made that make it so successful in creating those running behaviors well i think you know there's there's two parts of it. The first one is it's just a really strong hook, right? People hear about it and they think, oh, running away from zombies, that sounds funny. I get I get how that would work. You know, it, you don't really need a lot of explanation about the concept, right? And it's a bit like a podcast and, and they've listened to podcasts. So that gets them through the door. And that's really important because it's incredibly difficult to get anyone to download an app these days. But what keeps people there is that it's a bit like a soap opera, honestly. I mean, if I was going to describe it that way, you know, it's a bit like, or, or a great drama like in a Game of Thrones, where it's we we have a group of characters and a and a sort of comfortable kind of gameplay that is familiar. You know, we don't try, we don't vary the gameplay like every single time you play. There's a reason why people play Candy Crush all the time. Um, it's not that it's like I mean it is addictive, but it's also just that like people find it comforting. You know, they find actually games comforting, and so we don't try and massively challenge people every time. You know, they go out running. I like and so I hope what you're saying is they find zombies comforting. <laughs> well, they find that, you know, I think they find a group of characters comforting. And also, you know, they want to find out what happens next. You know, they, that's, I've always said that, you know, our goal is to make you get up on that rainy Sunday morning and be excited about going for a run instead of really. Does the, um, the gameplay ever interfere with the type of stories you want to tell because you need to fit it in with what's possible within the app? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like, uh, I mean, it's tricky to tell a story where you're, you're, the character is always running, you know, and um, what, you know, what if they, you know, what if you have a dramatic moment where, or what personal moment where uh, it wouldn't make sense in the story for them to run. And so we have to be creative about um, how we tell the story and, and do that. And I think, you know, our players are pretty forgiving, you know, when we come up with reasons why why you can't do that. That's, But, you know, that is a nature of, of you know, creativity and storytelling and gameplay. You know, you thrive in constraints. And our constraint is 99% of the time the player should be running. And luckily we picked a scenario where that makes sense. What you say is your favorite game, Adrian? My favorite game, um, gamification or just game in general? I think maybe you choose both. If you could choose one game, whether it's a computer game, a board game, something like that, kind of, what would be your favorite game? I think, uh, you know, like I have to choose between. In recent 
years, my favorite game has probably been uh, Return of the Overdin, which is a kind of detective game, basically. Uh, there has been this catastrophe on a uh, sailing ship, and you go in after everyone has died, and you need to go and find out what happened. And it is really interesting because it is not your normal detective game where you, you know, like a point and click where you sort of walk around scenes, you pick up a clue and you talk to people and you just join the clues together and you get the answer. It is probably the only kind of game of deduction that I've ever seen that actually involves you figuring out what happened by just looking at things in the world rather than talking to people. And I found it so... Uh, enjoyable <laughs> and and also really hard but in a way that that just perfectly perfectly pitched so that that if you just spend enough time on it you'll figure it out and actually on, on that regard that's another game that i loved called into the breach which is a um turn-based strategy game and normally i hate those because i i don't have a lot of patience but that game is it's a bit like chess you know and in, in that you have to you know carefully plan out your moves but unlike chess, where, you know, if you're a good chess player, you think five moves ahead, 10 moves ahead, 20 moves ahead, you know, you memorize these openings. In this game, there's only, like, you only have three units. And the game um, is sufficiently randomized. It is not actually worth, it's not actually possible to think more than three moves ahead. And so when I'm playing this game, I just look at the computer screen and I just, I'll just sit there for like 15 minutes, like thinking about it and just playing, thinking out. And I'll make one move, which I I can actually know is the perfect move. And I find that it's so weird. It's a game that like I actually spend the least time physically interacting with. But I spend the most time thinking about. And I think that's also part of the reason why I like the turn of the day. Which is not to say that I don't like action games. I love action games as well. But um, are these two being really, really unusual? Do you think the games that you've enjoyed have influenced anything, any parts of Zombies Run? Um, you know, yes and no, right? Zombies Run is not cerebral as those games, clearly, you know. I think the alternative reality games that, that we used to make uh, were, were much more cerebral, you know, and the puzzle games that we used to do before Zombies Run, which were, which you know, were similar to Zombies Run in that they took place in the real world and they used real world elements. But, you know, they Zombies Run, when we made that, was kind of a response, at least from my point of view, to making games that are quite hard to get into. I really wanted to make a game that you could just press play and within 10 seconds, you would be having fun, right? You know, I didn't want there to be some like long tutorial or be like you know, telling people, oh, it, it gets really good two hours in. You know, sometimes you hear that about games or, you know, TV shows. Oh, it's really good after the first season. I'm like, no, I, I, I want it to be really good instantly. Like, you know, that's what a good TV show is. And, and what's interesting is that I actually think that Return of the Oberdin and, and Into the Breach are actually good uh, right from the start. And that's really hard to do for, for a cerebral game because often, often you sort of have to get over a hump. So I think that it's being really thoughtful about the user experience and the player experience. The onboarding into a game is so important, isn't it? So I always think, like, if, even if you have to have a tutorial, the way it should be working is that you're playing the game but, and learning, even if you're in a safer space that's really almost impossible yeah. to fail at that point. Yeah. And kind of from what I've heard as well, from the experience you're creating definitely from, from the word go. And I think when you see the explosion, I think experiential dining, like it's become so, much, so popular because it's exciting for the immediate start of it, but also 
people want that unique experience. And that's why the, the escape rooms have become so popular. People are looking for immersive experiential kind of moments to share with people. I think what Zombies Run does really well is like a soap opera because the experience you have of being part of that character, wanting to know what the ex- next episode is, the reason why you get up on a wet Sunday morning. What do you think have been the biggest learnings you've taken from the past six, ten, eight years of Zombies Run and other kind of projects? And kind of what do you think is really important for gamification to create healthy behaviours in, in any realm? Well, I mean, you know, I think the first first part of that first um, in terms of learning, you know, over the last eight years, it's, uh, you know, when you have something that people really like, you probably shouldn't mess with it too much. Um, you know, the, 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 I think, you know, I suspect there's a lot of people who feel the same way in the, like, you know, as a game designer, you know, and as, as someone who just likes creating things, uh, I, I love just like messing and like tweaking things and like coming up with new game designs. And I think that what's kind of unusual about Zombies Run is we got it right at the start. I mean, you know, the, the, the core gameplay and the core game mechanic was pretty much spot on, like at the very start. And we added lots of other stuff on. And some people like that. And it's we're not taking that away, you know, there's different modes. But actually, it turns out that people really like the main thing. And I think that it's only through experience that you realize, oh, wow, um, it, it's hard to know when you kind of succeeded, I guess, because you don't know what, what that actually looks like. And you don't know how long it's going to last for. One of the things that that was um, really hard to know, I guess, at the start was whether people would keep on playing for a long time and whether we could keep making it for a long time, right? Um, it's one thing to make 20 missions and, and a game and put it out there in the world and just leave it and not update the app and, and, just, and just sort of make your money and then do something else. And I think what we went from was from having a game to having... A game as a service right you know and that's those are two very different things you know game um traditionally has been you know a, you know something like uh you know mario or something you make the game and you sell it for 60 pounds and it's amazing and people play it for a month or two and then that's it they may never play the game and you don't have to support it uh, other than bug fixes and even then in the past obviously we never had bug fixes whereas now with something like Fortnite, you know or with evil online or um, you know, games like that, Fall Guys, you know, these are just games that you keep on playing forever. You know, there's just more and more content being put out. And, you know, it sounds boring, but like as a business, like being able to support that, you know, and being able to keep that, you know, very unromantic, you know, pipeline of content, you know, and and um, features and bug fixes, that's a whole structure that you have to set up that is very different from, you know, putting out, a piece of art, you know, uh, once and then and then just running, you know, walking away, which is fine. And I hope people keep doing that, you know. But if we're making something that is going to make people's lives better, you know, for, for months or for years, then you do need to figure out how to support it, you know, from a logistical point of view, from a, from a HR point of view, you know, from a financial point of view. I think that's really important. One of the issues with most gamified health apps in, in some way is that they try and work for a little while to give you new uh, new behaviors or new habits. But obviously, that it's quite difficult to make those stick. And what you've done is work with these same customers, the same players over years. I'm wondering, what sort of results have you seen? What sort of feedback do you get from people? I mean, we get amazing feedback. I mean, that's kind of one of the most rewarding things about playing, about making Zombies Run. You know, we get people telling us that we've, you know, helped them, you know, lose weight. We've helped them become much fitter. We've helped them recover from, you know, 
depression or, or injuries, you know, we've helped them, you know, recover from, from, you know, cancer, you know, in the sense that like people are recovering from, from operations, they have to be active, but they might find it really tiring or find it painful or, or really hard to motivate themselves and zombies runners help them through that. And so, you know, as much as it's a business and it's entertainment, it's also changing people's lives. And I think everyone, you know, who's worked on Zombies Run, um, you know, from, you know, from the actors, you know, to the sound designers, to the programmers, you know, the production staff and the writers, you know, they find it incredibly rewarding to know that they're doing something that, that, you know, is, it's just, it's just only good. <laughs> you know, we don't have to kind of, a lot of, I mean, and again, you know, there's nothing wrong with just doing entertainment. You know, I'd love to make games that just make people kind of feel happy. But um, it is pretty cool to be making something that where you know, oh, like if you play this, it's from, you know, it's just going to make your life better. Yeah. Um, just it, that's exactly why this podcast started because of that. And what I think we hit on really well is that health consumers are no different to game consumers, and that they're looking for an ongoing like improvement and extension of just not a sing single interactive game, but actually something that continues for a long time. We're going to create long term health behaviors too. Um, so, final question for I have for you, Adrian, is. What do you think is potential for gamification, game mechanics to create healthy behaviours and outcomes in people through technology? Well, I think there's a lot of potential, um, you know, in the sense that from a technology point of view, we have more sensors, you know, we have more ways of input and output than we ever had before. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's also hard because, you know, speak from experience, you know, we've tried to do lots of different things over the realm of, you know, in our health and you know it's it's you know in some ways you're going to think well you know let's try and gamify swimming or let's try and gamify xyz and you know i think that um i hope that more people try because i think that that you know my my feeling is that there's no one size fits all basically i think that you kind of need to make different games very different games maybe for different exercises and for different health behaviors you know you can't take zombies run and apply it to cycling i think you know i think you probably want to do dip, something different for cycling even though it's kind of a little bit like running you know um so that's that's the answer which is to find something that you know a lot about and to try and make a specific solution rather than the kind of one size fits all. i feel like you've tried did you also create a game called the wall yes so can you tell us a little bit about that because that's obviously not as famous as zombies run what were you trying to do there and how did it go um we have you know, we that was funded by the Health and NHS, and yeah, we have. It was pretty successful. You know, right? you know, we it, it it got you know bought like a hundred thousand times. I mean, that's a that's a pretty great you know result, and it would make it one of the most successful you know health and fitness smartphone games ever. Uh, the problem is that um, that doesn't actually pay the bills. Uh, so. So the level of success you need, you know, for, for these games is so high, actually, you know, for like ongoing maintenance that, that you need, you know, hundreds of thousands of players, you know, ongoing players. And that was something that we, we didn't quite get for a walk. And so that's part of the issue where, where the barrier of entry is just incredibly high. Um, thank you so much uh, for today, Adrian, um, to kind of share your learnings, your insights, and um, yeah, wishing all the best of Zombies Runs and all the other gamified projects you've got going. Thank you.